This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. As you head to Romans 8, you probably saw on there some of the stuff on technology, social media, so we're going to hit this today. And just a couple questions I want to ask you before we get going. Where do you get your fulfillment from in life? Your happiness? Your self-worth? See, many in our society right now, they would say that comes from social media. And that's a scary thought that, that my identity is not in that stuff. And do you, do you feel your emotions rise or do you feel your emotions fall even with social media? And so you may not know this, but the Bible has a lot to say about social media. So we're going to jump into this. Romans 8 verse 14. For as many are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For as many are led by the Spirit of God. It doesn't say that we're led by our flesh. For as many are led by the Spirit of God. Now that becomes a choice where we get to a place in our life and say, Man, Holy Spirit, I want to I wanna be led by you. I want, I want you to direct me to, to help us here. Let's go backwards a little bit. Start in verse 12 now. Therefore, brethren, fellow believers, we are debtors not to the flesh. We're not obligated to our flesh. We're not ruled by our flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit of God you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Now, Paul lays out two directions of life here. And he shows the ultimate consequences. One's life, one's death. And to be led by the Spirit of God, that means to progressively, continuously, I've got to put to death the appetites of my flesh, my emotions, the things on the inside of me that try to dominate me that are opposite than God. So, you know, a few, a few months back, actually in the late fall, my son lives in New York City. I'd never been to New York City, so we went to visit him. And while we were there, I began to notice the fast pace of life. That, man, people are just hurrying and hurrying and hurrying. And that part of, of New York, there's more people there at one time than any other part of America. But they say, as many people as they are, they are the most lonely people in all our nation. So I get on the subways and I begin to watch people and almost every one of them that gets on there, they never make eye contact with you. And they all have some form of earpieces on earphones and and this is how they look. Whether it's a phone, whether it's an iPad, just continuously on that. And so what begins to happen in our society that we quit making eye contact with people. We quit having face-to-face communication. How many of you, when you go to a restaurant, are you able to have direct communication with the people you're eating with? Or do all of you sit right there and just, see again, this stuff is dangerous. And within my own life, social media has become a love-hate relationship. I love the conveniences it gives us. I love the opportunity that people can Skype and see us all around the world. But I hate a society that's becoming dominated and controlled by this. And every one of us, if we're not careful, this is, is what can happen. Now, I want to ask you a couple questions here. Could I live without my cell phone for a day? 
week? Could I live without Facebook? Could I live without Instagram? Now, this one's going to hurt, okay? Could I live without my Bible? See, many people would exchange the Word of God for a phone. Now, what begins to happen with every one of us in this room, that at one time or another, when we've lost our phone, we sense a minor or a major anxiety attack. How many have ever sensed that? Where's my phone? I mean, you see people, I lost my phone, just freaking out. It says this, that 66% of all adults in our society have some form of anxiety in their life when they lose their connection to technology. Does that define you? That's two-thirds of adults. 18 to 24-year-olds, that number jumps to 77%. That's three out of every four. Almost eight out of every, t- uh, eight out of every ten. From, 20 to, or from 18 to 24, since anxiety. And so this stuff is working on us in ways that can be good but also bad. Now, I'm going to go to the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter number 10. And I'm going to read this in the message translation. We were here several weeks ago. And when we were reading this several weeks ago, there was some wording in this that really, really jumped out to me. So... We begin 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3. The world is unprincipled. It's dog-eat-dog out there. The world doesn't fight fair, but we have and never will. Let me back up. But we don't live or fight our battles that way, never have or never will. The tools of our trade aren't for marketing or manipulation But they are for demolishing an entire massively corrupt culture. We use our powerful God tools for smashing warped philosophies. Tearing down barriers that are erected against the truth of God. Fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse into the structure of life shaped by Christ. Now what really got my attention there was the words there. Every loose thought, emotions... And impulse. That if we're not careful, we live by our emotions and we live by our feelings. And what begins to happen when we live that way, that they begin to dominate us. But he ends in verse 6 and he says this. Our tools are ready at hand for clearing the ground of every obstruction and building our lives of obedience into maturity. So the ultimate goal is to build our lives into obedience in Christ Jesus and maturity into Christ Jesus. Now these emotions and impulses that are talking about, they're a lot like the waves of the ocean. How many of you have ever been to the ocean and you realize when you're at the ocean, the waves just continually coming and coming and coming and coming? But I choose which wave I'm going to surf. It's the same with our emotions and our impulses. Those things start coming at us and they're coming at us. But it becomes a decision of mine and yours. Which one of these are we actually going to act on? Which one of these are we going to obey? Now here's what happens to us as human beings. When we start being dominated by our emotions and our impulses, our mouths have the ability to start walking out things. We begin to speak things out of our mouth. And to a degree, when you begin to post things on Facebook, that is literally... 
you walking out your word. You're walking out your mouth. And every one of us in this room, we have this inbred desire to tell people what we think. Sometimes without restraining ourselves. Because these emotions and these impulses. Now let me tell you this is what, this is a true story. This happened to me about six weeks ago. I go to a restaurant here after um, a Wednesday night service, our youth are meeting. And I get there a little late. And so I just wheel in and oh, there's probably 20 of us in the back of this restaurant. And so I'm back there sitting. And all of a sudden this lady comes in and she's irritated. She is, she is hot. She's P.O.'d, personally offended. And she becomes, and she comes in and begins to question people about this vehicle that's parked in this area. And so she begins to describe the, the, the area they're parked in. And Evan Haven says, no ma'am, that's not me. I didn't park there. And she asked my wife, and my wife didn't park there. Well, I begin to hear her describe the car she's talking about, and I realize... That's my car. And so I said, yes, ma'am, that's mine. And she said, well, did you realize you parked in a handicap zone? Truth right here, guys. I've never parked in a handicap zone. I don't park in them and get out and limp or have a fake patch to put over my eye. And so I'm, I'm kind of dumbfounded looking at her like, I, I didn't park in a handicap. Well, she begins to lecture me a little bit. Well, it becomes very apparent that this is this lady's own personal spot at Whataburger. It is personally reserved for me. And so I can tell she's hot. So I begin to repent. I begin to take responsibility. And I said, ma'am, I'm sorry. I didn't do that intentionally. So I walk outside and I said, here's the reason I did this. And so the parking space is here, but the handicap sign is here. It's kind of out of whack. And I said, do you see why I did that? And I kept apologizing. And so she ultimately forgave me, kind of. And we turn around and we're walking back in. And when we walk back in, she shoots me. She shoots a bullet at me. She says some things. And I sense my emotion. I sense my impulse beginning to rise. And it's right on the tip of my tongue. I'm on the verge of saying, shut up. You would say that? Pe- no, I wouldn't do that. Yeah, I may. And I came this close to saying to her, who died and made you the Whataburger police? Who put you in charge, lady? And so at that moment right there, I have a decision to make. Do I respond to my impulses and allow my tongue to just... And thank God I held my peace. So we go back and we sit down and we're back there talking. And one of the young teenage girls, it was her birthday. And so we all sang happy birthday to her. Well, a few minutes later, the Whataburger cop, she gets up. And here she comes again and she's walking at us. And I'm thinking, oh, Lord, not again. Not again. I I mean, Lord, you said that you wouldn't let me be tempted beyond what I couldn't handle. I'm getting close. She goes back and tells the teenager, happy birthday. She said, you know what, it's my birthday too. And so, you know what, we just all stood up and sang happy birthday to her. And it ended up turning out good. But how many times does it not turn out good? That we have the ability and the capabilities 
that many times we say things before we think. How many have ever said things before you thought? How many have ever posted things before you thought and after you did it, you said, oh, dear Jesus, why did I do that? Why did I say that? Go with me into the Proverbs. And I'm going to start in Proverbs 10. And and we're going to jump around Proverbs just for a little bit. Because I want you to begin to see here some things that Solomon said in these that gives us great, great wisdom in the area of our tongues. Proverbs 10. Verse 19, in the multitudes or abundance of words, sin is not lacking. Sin is not absent. So you know what he tells us right there? The more I talk, the more of a chance that sin is going to be there. But he who restrains his lips is wise. And so he tells us here to be sensible and keep our mouth shut. Learn to scrutinize my words. Now, here's something that I believe will help every one of us in this situation with our words. Sometimes you got to ask yourself this question, does my opinion really matter? Do they even want my opinion? And then the next thing is, what would Jesus say or Jesus do in this situation? That's a great thing that slows me down when I ask myself those questions. And it keeps me just from firing from my mouth. Now, this verse right here is cross-referenced into Proverbs 17. Turn to Proverbs 17. This is verse 27 and 28. He who has knowledge... He who has understanding spares his words. The word understanding or knowledge there has to do with maturity. A mature person will spare his words. And a man of understanding is of a calm spirit or an even-tempered spirit. In other words, he doesn't allow his flesh to dominate him. Even a fool is counted wise when he holds his peace. Even a fool is counted wise when he just flats out shut up. When he shuts his lips, he is considered perspective or a man of understanding or a mature person. Proverbs chapter 11. Go back just a little bit here. Proverbs chapter 11. The hypocrite with his mouth destroys his neighbor. So this tells me right there, with the ability of the words that come out of my mouth or my tongue, I have the ability to destroy people. Literally, our our tongues are like that of a switchblade. Now, oftentimes in our life, and this may identify you, would you say stuff to people If they were face to face to you. See many times we have the ability to say things about other people. That we would never say to them. When they're face to face with us. And this is one of the the scary things with social media. People get on there and they spout off and they spout off. But if they were there in person would you really say that? 
Now, I'm going to ask you to turn to James 3. And as you're turning to James 3, I want you to watch this video. And it is stinking funny, but it will drive home a point here. So go ahead and show that video. And if you can, turn to James 3. Uh, Tomorrow night, Robinson Cano, the former New York Yankee all-star second baseman, uh, returns to Yankee Stadium for the first time since he left for a 10-year, $240 million contract with the Seattle Mariners. Now, obviously, Cano's going to hear a a fair share of boos when he steps up to the plate tomorrow. And, uh, well, that could be jarring for any player. So that's why, uh, to get him used to it, we sent Robinson Cano out to the streets of New York... (laughs) To get booed by actual Yankee fans. But here's the catch. The fans thought they were just booing a cardboard cutout of Robinson Cano. They didn't realize that the real Robinson Cano was standing right behind it. Their reactions are pretty great. Check it out. Hi, I'm Robinson Cano. And I'm about to get booed by some Yankees fan. Are you a Yankee fan? Yes. Now, Robinson Cano is coming back to Yankee Stadium tomorrow night for the first time since becoming a Seattle Mariner. Are you going to boo him? Of course. All right, well, we have this picture of him right behind you, so whenever you're ready, go ahead and boo it as much as you want. Boo! You know what? You no longer welcome here. Bye. Try again. You no longer... <laughs> oh, I do. Now, Robinson Cano is coming back to Yankee Stadium tomorrow night for the first time mm-hmm. since becoming a Seattle Mariner. Are you, are you going to boo him? I am going to boo the out of him. Well, uh, whenever you're ready, go ahead. All right. Give him your best boo. Boo! You suck! That was awesome. Maybe try, try it again. Should I try it again? Yeah. <laughs> How you doing, Robbie? Welcome back to New York. Thank you. Yes, sir. Thank you. Back, right? yes, sir. <laughs> Are you going to boo him? Uh, you know, he won a World Series ring here, but he did leave for the money, so... Why don't you go ahead and give him as many boos as you want? Come on, Robinson. I mean, how many World Series titles do the Mariners have? Oh, come on, boo! You're better than that. You got a, a beard now? You're better than that. Boo! Boo! Welcome back to New York. Thank you. Uh, whenever you're ready, go ahead and boo! boo! You should go home, boo! Try booing him one more time. Oh. <laughs> Are you going to boo him? Yes, I am. Boo. All right, well, we actually have this picture of him right behind you. So whenever you're ready, go ahead and boo him as much as you want. Boo, Robinson. You should have stayed here. Winners is in New York, not in Seattle. Try booing him one more time. Boo. Stay in Seattle. We don't need you in New York. Hey. How are you? Go ahead and boo him as much as you want. Boo. Oh! Whoa! <laughs> How you doing? Yeah, thanks for the boo. I won't boo you. I won't boo you. I won't actually boo you. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll be rooting for you to uh, play well, but not win. <laughs> Are you going to boo him? Absolutely. All right, well, whenever you're ready, go ahead and uh, boo him for as long as you want. Right here? Yep. Boo! 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 Actually, try one more. One more? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> How you doing? <laughs> Listen, about that, right? Here's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Did it hit home? <laughs> 
See, this is the, the scare of things that we do. And so pick up with me here in James chapter 3. Because I believe this firsthand here, this will deal with some of the stuff we're dealing with. James chapter 3, verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Now you notice that there's a question mark. Who was wise and intelligent among you? And if I ask that right here, you know, we could have different answers or anything. But let's see how the Bible defines wise and intelligent. Let him show. Let him show. Let him prove it. Let him live it by good conduct, by good behavior, by good conversation. That his works or his actions are done in meekness of wisdom. Now, what does that mean? Well, the word meekness is rooted in humility. And so he's saying, do it in humility and wisdom. So live life humbly, live life well, live life wise. But he says something interesting there, that we are to do it in meekness of wisdom. In other words... We should have a robe of humility that's placed upon us. And any time I get over in any form of arrogance or haughtiness, it's a form of pride. And the author of pride was the devil himself. That's why God expelled him. So literally he's telling us that the wise and the intelligent person is the, word, the person that lo, learns to clothe himself in humility and in wisdom. So how does that look? Verse 14. But if you have bitter envy, bitter jealousy, strife, and self-seeking, self-ambition, contention, rivalry, comparisons in your heart, do not boast and lie against the truth. Don't try to cover up the truth. Don't try to deny the truth or twist the truth by your pride, your boasting, or your lying. In other words, you know what he's saying people will do? They will begin to boast and they will begin to lie to, to cover up truth. They'll deny it and they'll begin to twist it. And so when you look at here, this, this bitter envy and this self-seeking, if I don't get a hold of this, it becomes like a wildfire in my life and it begins to spread. Verse 15. Now listen what he says here. This wisdom does not descend from above. What wisdom? The wisdom of jealousy of self-seeking, of envy, of lying and boasting. Notice, he said, this isn't from heaven. So when I get over and I become ugly and, and, and social media become, makes me become jealous, look what this happens here with this. It is from the earth or it is earthly. It is sensual, it is unspiritual, it is of the flesh. And look at the last word. It's demonic. So I live with envy and self-seeking. You have the cologne or the perfume 
of the devil on you. You start acting like the devil would act is what he just said. That that type of wisdom is right there from hell. It's from the devil. Now, pay attention in the next verse where it leads to. For where envy and self-seeking exist comes confusion and every perverse or vile things are there. So a warning here is when I begin to live this way and I allow envy, I allow self-seeking to begin to control my life. He just said we would be like a bee to honey. That you're going to begin to attract confusion in your life. And every evil and vile things will begin to come. This is a strong. You can do this. You can live this way. But understanding it's demonic. And this is what you're going to begin to attract. So you begin to study things on social media. Things that are just life changing me. to, To read the statistics and stuff that's beginning to happen. And I blame a lot of it on our. Lack of ability to control our flesh in these areas. You know, they say that among 18 to 24 year olds. The suicide rate has skyrocketed because of social media. You know what that has to do with? My likes and my dislikes. It has to do with how many followers I have. It's so crazy that young ones are making up false followers just to make themselves have identity and value. Listen, if your identity and your value is coming from that, you're going to get disappointed. My identity must come from the Lord Jesus. And i got to begin to look to Him. You know, right now, this, this is my concern. This is heart for me. That 18 to 24 year olds right now are leaving our churches faster than any group in our society. And I said, Lord, you gotta help us. You gotta help us. I don't want that to happen. And so that's one of the reasons I'm speaking on this because this stuff attracts demonic influence, confusion, and all this other junk. Now, a couple weeks ago when they asked me how long I was gonna go on this, I said, maybe two weeks. I'm going to go a lot longer on this because I keep getting into more statistics that begin to show me there's things i got to speak on. Listen real close to this right here. The pornography industry is targeting 10 to 12 year old boys. That's their target age right now in our society. Right now in America they will go after 10 to 12 year old boys and they know All it is, is one click. They are one click away from possibly having them for the rest of their lives. And so when you begin to see these words right here, the envy, the self-seeking, it's to come after our society and to say, you know what, we're going to pull you away from the things of God. Watch, Watch how we combat this in verse 17. But the wisdom that is from above... That is from heaven. First of all, it is pure. It is is rooted in a thing called holiness. That we begin to live holy before God. And you know what? When I blow it and I make mistakes, I repent of it. And I say, Father, I don't want to live that way. He goes on to say this. 
that it is then peaceable. It's peacemaking. Matthew 5, 9 says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall inherit the earth. The peacemakers, the ones that gravitate toward peace. Listen to what the message says right there. It says that it is characterized by getting along with others. The next one. It's gentle. It's considered or courteous. It's willing to yield. It's willing to yield to other people. It's not about just me. The next one is it's, it's full of mercy and compassion. It has good fruits and good deeds. You know, the Bible's very clear. You'll be known by your fruits. The greatest fruit that me and you can have in our life is found in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. It's the fruit of the Spirit or the fruit that comes by the Holy Spirit. Nine of them. The fruit of love, joy, peace, long-suffering, which is patience, self-control, goodness, kindness, gentleness, and the last one is meekness or humility. I believe we need robes of humility. I believe we need robes of self-control. It goes on to say there, without partiality, without favoritism, without being judgmental, and without hypocrisy, meaning being sincere. Don't be two-faced. Two questions about being two-faced. Do you know people that are two-faced? Or are you two-faced? And what I see in our society right now, it's very easy to be two-faced with social media. You can say this on this place, but when you get around people, you're this way. And so what you have now is a group of people that run from job to job to job to job, or even church to church to church, because they've messed everything up in their lives because they were two-faced. Let me give you an illustration of that. It's called the Bob Principle. If your name's Bob in here, I'm not picking on you, okay? It goes this way. If Ernest has a problem with Bob, and Warren has a problem with Bob, and Henry has a problem with Bob, Bob's probably the problem. And a lot of times, that's what begins to happen in our lives. That many people say, well, this is going on, this is going on, this is going on, this is going on. But they don't realize they're Bob. They're Bob. They're not sincere. So what do we do with it? Well, keep reading here, verse 18. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace. The fruit of righteousness is planted in a heart that's peaceful, that wants to be a peacemaker. How many people you know that go on social media have the heart or the thought, I'm going to be a peacemaker on here? No, what most of us do is we pull out the strife stick and we really stir it up. Let's see how many people we can get into their hearts today and get into their heads today. Look how this verse ends. It is sown in peace by those who actually make peace. The ones who actually choose peace. The message says treating each other with dignity and honor. Now guess who decides the casting vote? We do. Every one of us in this room, we decide. Am I going to be a peacemaker or I'm going to fall into this? 
Man, it breaks my heart to read the stats of ones that die. I read one just on Friday about a young girl in high school. And because she kept getting bullied and kept getting bullied on Facebook, her final post, her final post on Facebook said this, I'm sorry, please forgive me. And they found her dead. So again, when we think there's no harm in that, there's harm in it. Again, I'm not anti-Facebook. I'm not anti-social media. I believe it'll be one of the greatest technologies that we can experience. But I also believe it'll be one of the greatest downfalls that if we don't get a, a, a grip on this stuff. Are you dominated by this? See, it's a question. Are you on it hours after hours after hours? And as every time a post comes up, do you have to respond to it again? Does your opinion even matter? And so I'm not telling you to do away with it. But again, if it's dominating you, what do you do? Go back just a page to James chapter 1. This is James 1 verse 19. One of my favorite scriptures. I'm not against tattoos, okay? I don't have any tattoos. But if I had a tattoo on me, it would probably be this one. In big letters. What does it say? So then, my beloved brethren, let every, 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 every man be swift to hear. And let every, every, every man be slow to speak and slow to wrath. Wow. Listen to what it says in the Amplified. Understand this. Let every man be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to take offense, and slow to anger or wrath. So when do you get on any forms of social media, does it cause you to take offense? Does it plot revenge within you where you begin to post stuff and say stuff that later on you regret? So what happens here with, with James 1.19 is oftentimes we get it backwards. When we say stuff that's opposite of the Word of God, instead of being swift to hear, we're swift to speak and we're slow to hear. You know what I think it invites? I think it invites offense and wrath or anger. And then guess what we start doing? We start shooting. We start firing. And if you got any tender heart in you at all, after a little while you realize, I wish I wouldn't have said that. But a good sign that you're really, really stinking hard-hearted is when you say, I gave it to them. I tore them up. I knocked their teeth out with it. I hope they hurt the rest of the day. See, I can live that way. But again, I can go back to James 3 and begin to look at all that and understand this, where there is envy, bitter envy, and self-seeking, you're going to attract the things of the devil. When it talks about self-seeking right there and self-ambition, we literally live in a selfie-centered world. Now, I'm 56 years old, and I, I may be old and outdated. And I don't get this right here. I don't get that. Are, are you that stuck on yourself? And then it's crazy to me these things called cropping. 
I was like, cropping? What are they doing? Getting their wheat in or what? No. They're cropping those pictures and they're making themselves look like they're lean, mean, and fit to be seen. Styling, smiling, and profiling. When in reality, it's nothing but a fake. Hey, girl. Now, I know I'm dabbling a little bit right now because I'm having fun. But again, I got to look at this stuff. I got to get a hold of this stuff because if I'm not, it's going to get out of hand and it's going to become issues. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.